got to talk. I got to tell what I feel. Study the problems of our people for a period of time and then come up with a new analysis and give us some new ideas and some new suggestions as to how to approach a problem that too many other people have been playing around with for too long. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got a big surprise for you. Yes, you! What's up, everybody? It's your host, Tom Capone, bringing you D-News. As always, I got with me via satellite from the Rockies because he's out of town right now, my trusty co-host, DJ Norm Ski. Right on. All right. Hey, we're going to get into it today because we got a very special episode. DJ Normski is going to bring you a special topic that he's done a lot of research on. And we have a special guest interview with Casey Baylor of UrbanFictionNews.com that we recorded earlier in the week. So we're going to hit these couple topics, then we're going to get into that. Right now, Normski, hey, I'm bringing something at you, man, that... uh. <laughs> You're not going to believe this, man. I was looking through, man, checking everything I do, social media, the web, everything, so we can bring the folks stuff. I saw this thing here, man, and it hit me, and it made me trip out. If you didn't know, the late, great B.B. King died this past, four, the 14th of this month, okay, in Las Vegas. Now, it says that he's got, like, 14 kids. Yeah, 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 exactly. It says he's got, like, 14 kids. One of his kids... What's that? That's probably why he was singing the blues. <laughs> I got you on that. I got you on that. Hey, Norm Ski, on your side over there, why don't you switch off a speakerphone? We're getting some volume feedback. How about now? Sounding better. Sounding better. All right. Okay, cool. All right, where we at? Where we were at right here, folks, is Karen Williams and Patty King. Two of B.B. King's daughters are accusing his two closest aides of poisoning him or hastening his death. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're accusing business manager named Laverne Tony and his personal assistant named Myron Johnson. Now, now check this out. I did a little research on this and earlier these fools brought suit against these two guys earlier in the year and the judge threw it out of court. So what's that tell you guys? You know, I, I actually want to know from you, we're bringing this real quick, I want to know from you guys what you think. So hit us up on Twitter at the real D News, okay? Because we want to know what you think about this because, I mean, we want to know, do you think it's real talk? Could this really happen? Are they just trying to, like, get a settlement out of them? Because I'm showing that the information I got says Laverne Tony's going to be executor of his will. Well, that's what I'm saying, man. It's a pretty simple process here. Check bank account prior to the death. Check bank account post-mortem. Okay. Is there any difference? The only thing I could probably add to this is I'm not saying it's guilt by association. However, the names themselves, you know, what was one brother's name? Vern Tony and Myron Johnson. Myron Johnson, being from the hood, growing up in the hood. When you got Myron Johnson and everybody's looking for, that name kind of pops up. You know, it brings thoughts of <laughs> so you're saying Myron Johnson brings the thought of possibly illegal activity? I'm just saying, man, there's ways to do it. 
with a licorice cast and take everything out, but let's see. <laughs> right on, right on. So, hey, everybody, go ahead. Let us know. Let us know at the Real D News on Twitter. We want to know this real talk. They just trying to get a settlement. Do you think they got cut off? He's got fifteen other kids. So. You know what I'm saying, man. You know what I mean. You got mouths to feed, man. They're looking at the youngest one's probably saying, "Dang, man! By the time it gets to me, there ain't gonna be nothing left." We got just two other people in there. That's sixteen now. You know. It's major cuz. <laughs> All right, and for more information on that, you can check out the full story on blacknews.com. Okay, Norm, okay, that that was crazy. I got something else for you, homie. Check this out. Um, one of Obama's daughters, I believe it's Myra or Myrie, I forget how you say her name, okay? She's being courted by this Felix Caprono. Okay, and he I guess he's an attorney from from, from what's that? Sixteen, oh, I mean. No. Wait a minute. This dude, I didn't get his age, but he's a lawyer in Nairobi. Now look. He's issued statements saying that ever since he became aware of her, that he's been abstinent, saving himself for her. Okay. All right, uh, no, a, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not the coldest part of this shit. This dude's offered up a dowry of 70 sheep and 30 goats. <laughs> and I would say that you might want to jump on that. Hey, cause look, I did some more research just so you folks know, okay? Mm-hmm. 70 sheep and 30 goats is worth more than 90 stacks. 90,000. That ain't bad, man. I mean, the price of food on the table these days, so Obama's gonna be out of office in a year or so, so fill up the freezer. Yeah, I think the president only makes like 250 Gs a year, so I mean, you know, I don't know. I got a I got a couple daughters, and I was thinking myself, if somebody hit me up like that, I mean, you know, what am I gonna I say? say <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because culturally, that may be a little shocking here in the West, that type of proposition. But then again, like I said, man, economics. 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 Let us know what you know. Let us know what you think about it. At the Real D News on Twitter, we will definitely hit you back and put it up on our next show. Uh, moving on right here, just let you know this hit today. Today in Washington, piece of breaking news is a 17-year-old boy was shot in the head by a King County Sheriff deputy officer in a traffic stop. Uh, what it looks like. From the information that I got so far, this is breaking news, this just happened earlier today, is that the deputy pulled over this this young man because he got a report that the car he was in was stolen. He put the car in reverse and hit the police car that another deputy was in or standing next to. So this deputy wasn't right in that vicinity, but his statement is that he felt in fear of his co-officer's life. How can he be in fear of his co-officer's life? How does he know that his co-officer was just standing there calm, cool, and collective and just took the license plate down and just called for back? Okay, 
Hold on right now. I'm going to see if I got a picture of that that we can show up here for our blog. If you're going to look, if you're looking at this on our blog, on our vlog, here's the picture of it. If you're not on our podcast um, and you're one of our podcast subscribers, you can just go ahead to our website, getthenews.blogspot.com. There's our image right there for the people watching on the vlog. Uh, that's all I got for today, Norm. We're going to let you get to your thing. Real quick here, though, before I do that, I want to let y'all know um, I sent out the message today with what's going to be our signature hashtag on Twitter. Okay? I- I'm motivated to move. Oh, let me start it because that's not even what it is. Damn, I got to restart. Shit. I forgot the friggin' hashtag I fucking put out. <laughs> I'm making moves. Gotcha. Okay, coming back in. Three, two, one. There it is. All right, we got that up for our uh, fans that are watching on the vlog. And like I said, if you're listening to the podcast, you can go to getdnews.blogspot.com. Take a look at that. Also, get some more information as it comes. Um, Normski, I know we're getting ready to go to you right now. But right before I do that, okay, we got a signature hashtag out on Twitter. You know, I've been communicating with everybody on Twitter that's been following us. We love and appreciate the support. Okay, we love and appreciate the support because your communication with us makes us live and organic. We're bringing you what you want. Thanks for your suggestions on topics and stories. Um, we got a signature hashtag, I'm motivated to move. And I asked everybody to reply if they was motivated to move, get their hustle on and shine today. So we got retweeted back with that. We had about 180 replies to that. Just a shout out to a couple of our Twitter followers. Uh, DL Christ 79. Rowan Line at Rowan Line. At Naughty Candies with a Z. Naughty Candies? Naughty Candies. Wonder what those taste like. (laughs) Well, you need to let me know. Uh, nah, I'm saving them for you. <laughs> and at Hardic Furia. Okay. I think that's Hardic Furia. H A R D I K F. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Hardic Furia. So all those, we'll have those listed up on our vlog. Uh, so you can see those. And if anybody out there listening to the podcast wants to uh, add them, follow them, we want you to go ahead and add them and follow them. Check it out. Getthenews.blogspot.com. Okay. Right now, we're going to move on to a topic that DJ Normski's researched that ties into our special interview with Casey Baylor that we had. So, DJ Normski, why don't you let me know what you got, man? Okay, let's get down to the glass pack here. Um, let's start with the basics. What is actually a Lexo level? Okay. Now in school, Lexo level measures, and it's a representation of a student's level on a developmental scale of reading, their ability to read. In other 
words, for example, if a book says 500 to 599 on the score basis, that means that the book meets requirements for fifth grade level reading. Okay? So, reading is what's called a common core subject, meaning there's a requirement like math, writing, science, things like that. Students are required to read a certain number of books each quarter. These books are usually selected by the district, okay? So now recently, there's been a growing movement across the country to offer inclusive or diverse instruction to all the students. And let's face it, all students, regardless of race, can and will benefit from effective authors speaking from a culturally diverse perspective. This means the school should be seeking out books and courses that are offered by people of color. Now, ironically, I was not able to find a single African-American author who publishes course material. Yet, if you review the Scholastic and Wikipedia websites, you know that there are hundreds, I'm talking about hundreds of African-American authors, but none are listed as authoring a single course or curriculum. So, is there any reason a significant number of students of color are feeling disconnected? in their education? I mean, what do you think, Capone? I mean, you know, now that you brought it to me, now that you brought it to my attention, I'm kind of tripping out. I mean, I never would have thought about that or even considered the value of that till we start talking about it a while ago. Now that you're uh, coming at me with these kind of statistics and what you've done done, I'm surprised. Well, it's just like, with so much inclusion, we're trying to sit up there and get the kids involved. They don't want to learn what's being available. But now, if you take a book like Monster, you checked out Monster, haven't you? Yep, I read Monster. Okay. Monster now, Cody. Exactly. Now, during the 1990s, when I ran that alternative school down there on Hilltop, on any given school day, you'd find dozens of kids out there, school-age kids, just roaming the street. So I started welcoming them over to the house and asked them what kind of stuff they were interested in reading. Guess what happened? What? On any given day, you'd find a number of kids reading books like Monster or Malcolm X Speaks or something by Maya Angelou. I didn't have to force them. I didn't have to put them on restriction, ISS, or nothing. These were the same kids who refused to go to school. So I can honestly say that the author and the content play an important role in whether students of color are willing to engage in their academics. Okay? So I'm not saying that there aren't any books or courses about African-American authors currently in use in any school district. I would although challenge our audience to find two published courses that were written by African-American authors currently in use by any public school district. If you think more of more African-American authors will help kids out, then we need to start talking to the school districts. Right on. Right on. So let's challenge. Let's challenge everybody that's listening to this podcast right now. Let's challenge everybody that's checking out our vlog. Let's challenge everybody to go ahead and do that, Norm. See, what, what steps do they need to take to go ahead and do that? Um, the Lexdown address, Scholastic address, 
and the Wikipedia address. That's going to be on getthenews.blogspot.com and also in the link description uh, on our YouTube channel. Exactly. The other thing is to basically ask the kids, what do you want to learn about? You know, if we got to learn about math, okay, from the perspective culturally, perhaps it may be a little bit more beneficial for some of these young people of color to have represent, representation in the authorship and the writing of this material. Because they're going to feel a little bit more part of things. Because that's what we're asking for, spending billions of dollars in the government and school systems right now to be inclusive and be diverse in our culture. But then we don't want to add diversity in the curriculum or the course material or even the reading material. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that picture. Good point. Right on, man. As always, as always, Norm, you're bringing it. These are important issues. We laugh, we have fun, we're covering current topics, what's viral, what's going on in the world. But we want people to shine. We want everybody to come up. We want everyone to stay on their hustle. And that's why we're bringing this to you. We're trying to bridge the gap between those that are in the community and those professionals that are outside of the community. Because bringing it all together, together, because if you're successful, you're doing your thing, you're taking care of your family, that's G-Style. Real talk. Hey, Capone, man, I did get two phone calls this morning from Scholastic and one from Lexile. And when I brought the topic up and the issue, both Scholastic and Lexile said that they would be looking into that with their people to see what they could do to help identify African-American authors so that we can get some of these books out there into the school district. But it's gonna take a concerted effort of parents and concerned community citizens, okay, to go to the schools, go to the school district. And I'm not saying demand, but let's put it on the docket to talk about and actually start moving towards that. And see if that's gonna make a change. Now, I think that's another thing. I wanna encourage everybody listening, black, white, or otherwise, Go to these school board meetings. Get involved. As time permits, because we know some of you guys are out there hustling, trying to get your stuff, your work schedule doesn't permit. Try and call grandma, grandpa, auntie, somebody to go down there and get the information because the way we get things done is holding people's feet to the fire. It's very important. I know you heard it before. I know sometimes it's difficult. You may feel uh, this is corny, that is whatever, but staying involved is how we can make a change as a nationwide community. Real talk. Yeah. Oh, and speaking on making a change in education, I was watching the late night show Right on. And DJ Normski lets you know, everybody get involved. Stay involved in your children's education. If you don't have children, 
and you're getting educated right now, you're taking classes, get involved, student union, student council, be a part of that process. All right, now, we recorded an interview earlier this week with Casey Baylor. She is the owner and editor of urbanfictionnews.com and the author of several books. So we're going to go ahead and listen to that interview right now. Hey, everybody. I'd like to thank my special guest for coming on today, the lovely lady and author from Philly, authoring such titles as Your Husband, My Man, Platinum Dust, and Seduction Game, Casey Baylor of UrbanFictionNews.com. Hello, everybody. I'm really excited to be here. Um, hopefully, I'm able to answer you know, you know, things that you guys want to hear. Um, I'm excited. Just excited to be here. Well, you know, we're we're excited too. You know, excited. How about um, before we get into things? How about you give our viewers and listeners just a little bit of background on yourself? Um, sure. I actually started writing when I was about eight years old. I always knew I was going to do something that had to do with the publishing industry. Um, and I made a huge leap by, you know, quitting my corporate um, job. I used to work at the finance department at Wells Fargo mm-hmm. and decided I had enough of that. Um, so I put together Urban Fiction News as a place for um, writers, authors who were interested in getting their work out, but who didn't really have, especially African Americans, we don't really have that many resources that will kind of direct us on where to go. Um, so I decided to become the directory, to become that resource. I know a lot of times people don't like sharing information, they don't like giving out information. Um, we kind of keep it close to our chest, and I just wanted to reverse that. I feel like, you know, what's for me is for me, and I can share, you know, what I know with you, and it still doesn't hurt me. So I come from that philosophy. So I developed Urban Fiction New um, as a place to, to provide resources and information to, to writers of all genres in the African-American community. That's excellent. I checked out Urban Fiction News, and we want all our listeners and viewers to also go there and check that out. I was looking at some of the titles. Great artwork on a lot of those titles. I never knew I was surprised when I went there myself just to see how many interesting titles there were out there. Something that I never knew about personally. DJ Normski, you got any questions? Yeah. um, From the educational perspective, I was just wondering that you mentioned that you had gotten into writing early on when you were eight eight years old. Um, What do you... What would you say to the young African American who's uh, in school right now and considering writing, has a a love for writing, but then what's being given to him is, well, you need to go into one of these other fields. What would you say to an African American young person that wants to be a writer these days? I say the best stories you can give to yourself are the stories that you yourself create. Um, I came from a place where there really wasn't that much literature written by African-American individuals that was for my age group. I started at eight years old. Um, you know, my father used to sit me on his lap and give me chapter books that they were written by like Dean Kuntz and, you know, people I really couldn't relate to at the time. But at the same time, it did develop in me a thirst and a hunger to want to read more. 
Um, and then I said, well, you know what? I have a really creative imagination. Um, I see the power and the magic that these writers are giving me because they take my, my mind places. So I became the person who, um, at a young age, I started creating stories and then sharing those with my friends. So I was kind of like their little little library because <laughs> they could come to me and get the story. Um, I think that's important. If, if you're going to be a writer, some of the best stories you can create is to create them yourself. I like that. I like that. That kind of shows of empowerment to hustle to get where you want to be in life. And that's something that I really think is important. Yeah. And just some of the things that we've talked about and in the segment here, DJ Normski's brought up that there is a disparage in, in black authors and text material as well as the accepted reading lists in school. And just in your opinion, do you think that's because of the amount of or lack thereof validation for black authors? Or is it just our our support of them? Maybe just like a combination of the two. I think it is a combination of the two. Well, you know, the Internet has, has opened up the floodgate, so to speak, where everybody and anybody can become an author. Um, and because of that, there is an access uh, of books being produced, but it still doesn't take away from the writer who, like myself, I view myself as a writer. There are not a lot of writers out here, even though there are a lot of people who are producing, you know, books. And some people, are, I don't consider them writers. I just consider them a person who had a story to tell. And to me, they're different in the sense of, you know, they just may have had one great idea. They wanted to get it down. They produced it. So now they can also be um, classified as a writer. But technically, they don't have the writer's spirit, is what I like to call it. Um, they're not, you know, I live, breathe, I walk and talk books all day long. I love what I do, you know. So I consider myself a writer. So in saying that, because there's such an over access of um, information and books being produced by just about anyone, it, it kind of like you lose a little bit of validity um, with the African-American writer, especially those who are not taking their craft serious and going at least the extra mile to make sure their work is competitive to what is being produced in the traditional or contemporary um, literary world. Okay, that, that's an interesting take on that. So in, in saying that, what that made me think is, is like, let's say I had an idea that I wanted to write a book for. Would you suggest me going and contacting someone like yourself to help write that or to take that on myself if I'm not actually considering myself a writer? It depends on how serious you want to take it. Um, I've met people on both sides. I've met people. Um, I'm sorry. I've met people who are writers. That's what they love. That's their passion. They would do it for free all day long. But then I've also met on the other side of that people who are, you know, they just have a story to tell. So in saying that, depending on how serious you are about getting your message out, how well you'd like to be received and welcomed into whatever genre that it is you're writing about, you can write it yourself. And I always say. The best writers are readers. So if you're a reader and you know how to, you know, to structure your, your book and you take your craft serious, because no matter what you put your hands on, you should at least respect it enough um, to put your best foot forward. So you can write it, even if you're just uh, a person who has a story to tell, as long as you're taking it serious enough to respect the craft, respect you know the art that you're, you're introducing to the world, you can put it together yourself. Well, that's a good point because as my craft is educational writing and right. instructional 
booklets from school when they be acceptable reading. Um, I called up the company that prepares that, and I said, I don't see a list of African-American authors even when I search for it. And they lamented that they don't have a list. They just have picked out some books. So I'm wondering with all the, you know, the uh, focus on, um, you know, uh, the school becoming more inclusive, uh, how do you see the importance of the, the written material as being inclusive in education? It, it definitely matters. And it, and it matters because, first of all, the young mind is a very impressionable mind. And I know when I was growing up, I couldn't really relate to what was being presented. I read it, it was entertaining, but I still couldn't relate to it. And I think it's important for young um, African-American children to be able to identify themselves inside of what books they're picking up. And, you know, a, a lot of times we have this, if, you, if you're a black writer, then they all automatically want to put us in the group of writing urban fiction, or, you know, we're already right. classified. As, um, oh, that's, or that's urban, and it's only urban because we're black. It doesn't, my book can literally be about anything else, but I'm still considered an urban fiction writer. Um, however, even in saying that, uh, not all urban fiction stories are bad stories. They, you know, a child could pick it up. It may be a little bit, you know, we have to be responsible as writers in what we're putting in our story. But at the same time, though, a child can still possibly relate more to the urban fiction story than they can to the Harlequin, you know, romance novel. I didn't see myself in those books, you know? Um, or even, you know, in some of those stories that they have a reading, they're not, they're not written and catering to the young black child growing up in whatever area they're growing up in. It, it doesn't relate. So it is very important that they try to include more stories. Even things, for example, I'll give you a really quick example. Um, there's a, a very, very intelligent writer. Her name is, um, Jewel Parker wrote, and uh, she writes stories, you know, one of which is called The Bayou Magic. Um, for the African-American child, there's also Jacqueline Woodson, who wrote about, you know, brown girl dreaming. Um, they write stories that are catering to the African-American child. But those are stories, and they've actually won awards, you know, the Coretta Scott King Award. Um, but you won't hear about those stories in the black community, and most likely you won't ever hear about them unless we collectively um, make it known that it's, it's, it's a requirement. It's a requirement that we're putting on to, the, you know, the school district. We kind of have to, you know, put our foot down and make that known that we're not willing to accept any other kind of book unless it's going to show my child um, a face that looks like his or hers. Amen to that. Yep, I like that. I like that. And um, that's something that DJ Normski's he, he's promoting on a regular uh, right now, as well as uh, some more issues concerning education. That's why when I came across you I'm on social media, I asked him to email you because I thought it totally tied in uh, to what we're talking about here and is an important issue in the community. We can only do so much. And I think that's where our angle is in trying to support 
the community from our standpoint in this platform that we have and getting with like-minded people like yourself in different areas that, that have their niche and what they're doing to get the word out so that the community in itself stays informed of these different things because when I went to your site what I saw you know I actually felt uh, enriched and that's and that's a good thing hey well you know I think of a good word every now and then I have a slight bit of education does the word uh, mean anything to you <laughs> but but anyway seriously um I also wanted to ask you since you have urbanfictionnews.com and I came across that through finding you you know what else is out there what can we do to support black authors where can we find more listings uh, like urban fiction news and are there any out there that you know of um a few that I personally um go to myself um one of which is aalbc.com and what I love about their site AALBC.com. Um, and what I enjoy about their site is they, they put up books and titles um, written for the black community in every genre. They focus on every genre of, of book, whether it be you know children's books, whether it's urban fiction, whether it's poetry, whether it's um, drama, whatever it is, they post it up. Um, and they also provide inform- information and resources as well. They're a really good good tool um, to use, especially if you're trying to be a writer who wants to stay connected um, to what your, your craft is, what you're doing. Um, another one I like to use also is streetlit.org. That's actually run by a very close friend of mine, Mary. Um, and she provides information on a lot of books that are are in the urban fiction genre, but she also touches on some some subgenres that are, are you know important and connected to the African American community as well. Those are some of the places I personally go to to look out new books and information and things like that as it relates to, to African American literature. Excellent, excellent. I got, one, I got a question for you. I'd rather, you know, class myself. 
uh, as opposed to letting somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what's up. And I hope that our listeners and all the viewers here have really got this information that you've been able to put down with us today. And we really appreciate you coming on the show. I can't tell you how much. And we want to have you back. So next time you publish a book, going to speak somewhere, please go ahead and contact us. We want to have you back on so we can let our listeners and viewers get that information from you and spread the word. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Um, I've had fun. Thank, yes, yes, yes. If you could give us another shot on your uh, website, where, where is that located at? Um, it's urbanfictionnews.com. I will also make my followers aware of what you guys are doing because I think it's, it's awesome. It's um, another platform, another outcome uh, that they can use. Um, to gain more information, stay informed. Um, again, Urban Fiction News is a directory. I love to send people everywhere, so I will definitely shout you guys out as well. Um, Thank love you. to have you also um, be featured on our site. Excellent. Did you hear that, Capone? That's what I enjoy about what we do. Casey Baylor, everybody, of Urban Fiction News. And out right now, if I'm correct, your husband, my man, and the seduction game is on Amazon.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Your husband, my man, is my most popular series. Everybody loves drama, so that that's why that works. Um, and Seduction's Game is one of my favorites as well. And that was um, part two to that was just released also. Okay, right on. Everybody, Casey Anthony, go to Amazon.com. Check out your husband, my man, and the seduction game. Get that on your Kindle Fire, your iPod, your Android tablet, whatever it is you got. Also, go to AALBC.com for information on books written by African Americans and all genres and streetlit.org. Everybody, I'm Tone Capone with always my trusty co-host, the ever-wise and traveled and Big-headed DJ Norm Ski. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We out of here. And that's the interview that we did with KC Baylor earlier this week. I particularly really enjoyed myself and like to thank her again for going ahead and coming on D-News, taking her time out. A wonderful young lady. Again, she's the editor of urbanfictionnews.com. Go to there, check that out. Check out some of the black authors that are out there. Different types of fiction books, whatever kind of books that you're liking, it's out there. Go ahead and support. Remember we talked about that in that interview. Support. Just go out there and look. Also with the other links that she mentioned there, those are going to be available. Go ahead and hit her up on Twitter at uh, 26KCBlaze on Twitter. Follow her. A lot of good tweets coming from her. Now, Norm, like I said, I was loving it. Um, I love the responses. Love what she had going on, you know, and to say to us, what'd you think about the interview? Yeah, the thing that stuck out to me most was that she was encouraging our young people to explore their talents in writing. And I think that that's often overlooked because we want to try and find the athlete or the 4.0 students that's going into business or some type of high-tech science area of career. Your kid comes home and says, Daddy, I want to be a writer. What? A writer? You 
you know what I'm saying? Now, if he came home and said, Daddy, I want to be a basketball player or a football player, then we got all kind of encouragement. Let's run over to the store, buy tennis shoes, move socks, everything that we need for sports. I'm down with it. All right, everybody. That's our podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out on the vlog. Uh, Next time, check us out. I'm going to have coverage of the Kent International Festival on the podcast. And also next time, we're trying to get, I'm not sure if I have a book, a special guest. I'm not going to announce it yet. So come back, check us out, follow us at the real d news on twitter go to the blog get news.blogspot.com and as always stay motivated keep your hustle get yours we out of here we out baby